Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Oh, and that's a bad miss. <laughs> nice. I like that one. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about some... Uh, interesting technology, um, mm-hmm. and this was something that has been requested of us from a couple of different people. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about... Sports. Specifically, yes. specifically Hawkeye. Right. But but there are other sports... We, we actually, we struggled with what we were going to call this podcast. Yeah. Because... Um, I was struck down. Yep. <laughs> I, I had said Hawkeye, not just an Avenger, but was told that that was not... SEO worthy. <laughs> well, I you know when we we started thinking about the technology used in sports officiating and sports broadcasting, there are all kinds of technologies uh, that they use for for a variety of different things. And um, Jonathan and I researched some of the same technologies and some of different technologies. And in fact, I'm not sure we'll get to everything we looked at. We may have to come back to it in the future. Write it down and. And, and come back to some of it. But uh, sure. specifically, we wanted to talk about the Hawkeye officiating system because yes. that's one of the topics that both of us worked on. And if you haven't heard of this, um, it may depend on which sports you follow. Hawkeye is used, uh, Americans probably would know it best for tennis. Right. Uh, if you're a tennis fan, you know that uh, for years they've used systems to try to help them officiate whether or not the ball uh, hits on the line or next to the line. Is it in? Is it out? Right. Uh, is with, McEnroe going to throw a complete fit? That really has almost nothing to do with whether or not the ball was in or out. No, but there's like a 98% chance <laughs> it'll happen. Yes, and it's always entertaining when he does. It was wonderful. Anyway. But, yeah, and to, to varying degrees, Hawkeye is the newest, I would guess, newest system, uh, or at least the newest one I've heard of, that's used for this purpose. Uh, and it's highly, highly accurate, and I see I see in looking into it in greater depth why people are so interested in it. Yeah, and it's not just used in tennis, of course. That's, no. That, that's what Chris was mentioning. That was the one that the American folks would probably be most uh, familiar with. Uh, but it's also been used quite a bit in cricket. Which, uh, as I studied and as I learned more and more about the Hawkeye system, I realized that compared to cricket, Hawkeye is really easy to understand. <laughs> cricket is impenetrable. I seriously, you Brits and Aussies and all the folks out there playing cricket. That's pretty much everybody. But how the do you States. even <laughs> understand what's happening? Like, do you wake up in the middle of a game and say, are you just making the rules up as you go along? Uh, seriously, I don't understand. Yeah, you know you're going to get hate mail for that. We need to have a podcast just on cricket so I can listen to it because I, I sure as heck couldn't talk about it. All right, anyway, that's neither here nor there. So, Well, it, the, the two share similarities uh, in that you have a smallish ball that right. is being thrown or hit. And the thing is you have to tell whether or not it's landing in a certain spot. Right. Um and what Hawkeye does, it can it, it, it can tell you, uh, for one thing, where the ball is hitting, whether it's in or out, uh, hits on a line. But it also can tell you, it can give you an idea of the distribution of where the ball is landing. And it's a lot easier to tell, you know, for example, where a, 
a soccer ball or a football or a football, depending on how you look at it, right. uh, or a basketball. Those those balls are are large, considerably larger, and they're easier to spot. But uh, yeah, I mean, trying to follow something like a, a hockey puck or a cricket ball or a, a tennis ball is or a baseball. You know, they're, yeah. they're, that's why a lot of these technologies are being developed to help uh, augment human ability to see where it's going and maybe give us some insight on how to play the game a little better. Yeah, so in Hawkeye, for I mean, it's it's not unusual to think of cameras on a sporting event and cameras being used to try and determine whether or not a ball has passed out of play. Sure. And that we we've seen that in lots of different sports and you know you'll see it in football even then where you'll you know they'll have to do a slow motion replay and the referees will be looking at it to make sure that the call they made was an accurate call um if their call has been challenged same thing in other sports sure. there are other sports where you are allowed to challenge the the ruling of a referee or umpire and uh, and then you usually have either a moment where the referees will talk amongst themselves or they will refer to whatever the tape is, right? Right. And, of course, there is much debate about whether or not this is okay or not and whether, you know, should we bring technology into it? Should it yeah, just, should be, it just humans? be human? Uh, like human error is part of the game and, yeah. therefore, it, it it's part of the game both on the part of the players and the officiates. Yeah. And other people are saying, can we please just take the officiate error out so that yeah. we just have to worry about the player error? Well, considering how good the technology has gotten, yeah, it's understandable that this debate has continued because Hawkeye itself is, uh, at least according to my research, accurate within 3.6 millimeters, yeah. possibly a little bit better, at least according to the person who invented it, Dr. Paul Hawkins. Now, Hawk, Hawk I feel like I've heard that. Somewhere. Hawkins? Yes. Any, Hawk, at any rate. Hawk something. The The... The interesting thing to me about Hawkeye is not that it's that's where I heard it. <laughs> is not that it's it's a uh, you know a, a complex camera system. That mm-hmm. part's interesting. But what's really interesting to me is that using these cameras and triangulating the uh, images captured by these different cameras uh, and measuring the speed of the ball and the path of the ball. Hawkeye is able to project where that ball would have gone had it not encountered something. Yes. All right? So this is not necessarily important in every sport, Mm -hmm. but in some sports it means a great deal. This is where we get back to cricket, where I was having a really hard time figuring out why do you even need this for cricket? Um, because uh, for those of you who are cricket fans who, or perhaps you're not familiar with, say, American baseball, we don't really look at replays for baseball. That that doesn't really happen. Well, often. Yeah, that's another one of those things that keeps coming up. Should yeah, there be? Should there be a replay system in yes. baseball? So that's why I was wondering, like, why do you need it? For, why do you need it for cricket? Well, cricket, you know, they they have there are elements in cricket that are similar to baseball, but that mm-hmm. just fools you. <laughs> it reels you in, and then think makes you think you understand how what's happening, but well, you really don't. Well, the two sports are cousins, right? They do share some similarities. So the. The batsmen in cricket stand mm-hmm. in front of uh, the, the stumps, right? Right. The wicket. Based based on what I know of cricket. Okay. So you have the bowler who mm-hmm. who lobs the ball, mm-hmm. at, uh, tw- and the bowler's aim is to knock over the, the wicket, to mm-hmm. knock over the stumps. Right. And the batsman is defending the stumps, trying to hit the ball out of the way and earn runs. Well, sometimes the ball will hit the batsman. Mm-hmm. And... There, there is a uh, uh, a, a 
a term called leg before wicket, which is essentially meaning that the batsman's body has uh, has encountered the ball and that the ball would have continued had the batsman not gotten in the way and mm-hmm. then knocked the wicket over. Right. Well, clearly that would be a, a unsportsmanlike way to prevent the bowler from hitting the wicket. Right. So Hawkeye has been used in cricket to project where the path of the ball would have been had the batter not batsman not been in the way. So the idea is that, well, sometimes the ball would have hit the wicket. Sometimes it would have bounced over the wicket or bounced to the left or to the right of the wicket. Mm-hmm. And yet, if you're officiating, if you make this call, uh, you know, you're basing it on your own perception of what's happening, right? Your own, the angle that you're looking at and, um, uh, you know, you, you, how closely you're paying attention. Hawkeye is supposed to try and take some of that guesswork out by stating, by, by measuring the path of the ball, the speed of the ball, mm-hmm. and, and, essentially guessing or calculating where the future path would have been. Right. So that's a very useful feature there because it takes, theoretically, if it works, it takes the, the human element, the guessing, the estimation out of it. Now, what I find interesting about this is that humans, we tend to really like this kind of prediction, right? Predicting where something's going to go based upon the angle and the speed. Mm-hmm. Because if we didn't love that... Angry Birds never would have become a huge hit. No, but this is serious. I'm serious. Think about it. Think of all the games that we play that depend upon accurately assessing how the path of an object is moving through the air. I mean, baseball and football and both depend on it because you have to be at the right place at the right time to intercept it, right? Oh, let's, I mean, get right down to it. Sports, a lot of geeks say that they don't like sports and that may necessarily be true but there is a geeky element to sports yeah. otherwise and and I don't know of a sport for which this is not true we wouldn't be keeping these elaborate statistics about the you know well in the fourth quarter uh the team that is ahead is, is likely to win by 76% of the time and you know he gets yeah. on base he's likely to score you know 400% you know as well yeah. Uh, you get into them, and I totally messed that up. But I'm basically they keep uh, a lot of the the sports statisticians keep all kinds of amazingly uh, minute statistics about every living uh, every little thing. You know, on days when it's 76 degrees, right? <laughs> and you know, I this got kind the of horse thing, right here. His name is Paul Revere. <laughs> that's just going to open another door to another world we don't want to go to right now. Uh, but the, yeah, I mean this is another one of those examples of adding technology that's going to help us track that much more information about the sport and gives us something else to argue about, which is another sporting tradition. Right, yeah. <laughs> but That's but, sometimes yeah. more entertaining than whatever is actually going on sure. in the game. Depends on the sport. Right. But, but yeah, I mean, we're interested in what would have happened and how likely is this particular outcome versus that particular outcome based on history and the ambient temperature and all kinds of other things. Right. And Hawkeye does take a lot of that into account. That's the uh, one of the interesting things about Hawkeye is um, there's a battery of cameras yes. that go around the playing surface, right. whatever sport you're playing. And there are people that want Hawkeye used for baseball, right. American in, baseball. So. In cricket, it's the pitch. Right. Or I learned in tennis, that today. it's the court. <laughs> but yeah. But but the cameras are only part of the story, as Jonathan pointed out earlier. And yes, there is there are computers on the back end. Yes. But what 
what really fascinated me is, and the number of cameras depends on whatever sport is in question here. Right, there right. might be more or fewer depending on the area. Like you with need tennis, to cover. it's around ten. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of cameras. It is a lot of cameras, especially considering the size of a of a tennis court. Right. But the fascinating thing to me is the prep work that it takes to go in, and the reason that Hawkeye isn't used more wide in a more widespread way is it's expensive. You might say, why? It's just some cameras. Well. Yeah, and you, they're sophisticated cameras, sure, but you also require people to run the system. Right. And part of that is it takes prep work. The The surface of the playing surface, whatever it is, is mapped because it's I, – I can't think of a playing surface. And, and it seems flat to us when we go out to stand on the, on the tennis court or, or right. the cricket pitch, but it's not. And the computer maps, the, the Hawkeye system needs to map the surface of the ground mm-hmm. and where the lines are and where all the things are on the field so that it knows essentially where everything is. It takes into account the temperature and other factors because, of course, the, the, uh, the tennis court could heat up uh, depending on the color of the tennis court, the, the material the court is made of, grass, for example, or clay. Mm-hmm. Um, clay is a little bit different because... You, you know, the clay, uh, the you can mark. actually see. If you've ever watched a, a, a clay court match, uh, you'll see that it leaves a little dust mark when the when the ball hits, and that's easier for them to tell. But um, on other surfaces, like grass, it's not as easy to tell, but it will heat up, and that can actually change whether or not the, the uh, court is expanding or contracting, depending on the temperature. And Hawkeye has to take all of that information into account um, so that when the cameras do record the trajectory of a ball... And it also needs to know how the ball is going to act. Uh, right, right. If you, you're looking at a tennis ball, how does a tennis ball behave when it hits the earth versus a cricket ball? Sure. So it takes all of this stuff into account, which is why the system is so sophisticated and so uh, remarkably accurate at tracking where the ball is going to land based on you know the way the ball is hit or is thrown and the surface it hits in the in the environment that it hits i think that is absolutely amazing how 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 it works like that and it does require human intervention too because people have to operate the equipment sure beforehand and during the game or the match to uh to make it work and there's definitely some controversy here as well because you're talking about i mean as chris was pointing out it is very precise it has a margin of error around 3.6 millimeters that's pretty tiny but should you have an, a situation where Hawkeye is essentially telling you that let's let's say that it's a tennis match, okay? Right? Let's say it's a tennis match, and the um, the 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 referee has said that it is uh, uh, that the ball was hit out, right? And then the other the the player who hit the ball challenges that call, mm-hmm. and so they review it, mm-hmm. and Hawkeye says it was in. But it was in by one millimeter. Yes. Well, that's within that range of error. Yes, that it 3. is. 3.6. Uh-huh. So then you have to decide, does that, does the, is the referee's call upheld or overturned? If it's overturned, how do you justify that when the, the, uh, the, the distance that it was, you know, that, that it fell within is less than the margin of error for the system? See, there's an all new, uh, all new dimension of, Arguing about sports, that's yeah, involved to be here. like, no, that's within the margin of error. You cannot, you cannot yeah. overturn a call based upon that. I mean, that 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 could become that could be the outcome of that argument, mm-hmm. or they could say, all right, well, we're going to trust the machine over the person, even though the machine gave us a reading that 
could theoretically be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a sticky thing. And, I, and of course, when you're talking about one millimeter, you're getting to a point where without the system, you know, you just have to go with whatever the 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 referee or or, or officiate says. I mean, yeah. you don't have you don't have the benefit of checking back on with another call and sometimes you just you know you got to accept the fact that there is this element of error that's going to happen because there's no perfect system to judge it and if there were a perfect system would it change the game it can um from what i've seen uh a lot of the tennis players seem to like hawkeye they seem to feel that it's pretty accurate and if you're willing, if you're willing to agree that the system is accurate and to trust it, then that's one thing. But I think you're right, Jonathan, that if if a call comes within that margin of error, even when you said yes, you know what, I trust this computerized system over the official when it's a really tight call like that, I, I believe it to be accurate. If he says one millimeter, and you go, well, yeah, but it's precise to within three. It really could have been out. I mean, I think that causes even the people who are really uh, behind the technology to, you know, because it's an emotional issue, yeah. especially when you've been playing hard and it's, it's you know, it's a an important match, like, you know, the Wimbledon final, for example, or sure. the French Open, uh, one of the Grand Slam championships. It's, you know, I, I think even the people that are behind it are going to be a little... Uh, Reticent to just... Yeah. Say, trust the machine. Yeah, but see, but it, that's that. You have to trust the humans, right. if You don't trust the machines. So. <laughs> but the, yeah, that that does come down. Yeah, exactly. You're like, well, does that mean that something we know of that's accurate up to three point six millimeters is somehow worse than a human's perception? Is the human's perception actually more accurate in this case? I mean, it's a delicate subject, and like like we said before, with the the clay courts. That's where you're, you start thinking, hey, maybe we just need to start playing on clay a lot because <laughs> then at least we can look at where the mark is and say, all right, no, clearly this is where the ball hit. And, you know, the ball, yeah, the ball bounced out, but the ball initially hit within the lines. Of course, then you're going to have all the players who specialize on all the other courts say, no, 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 no grass courts where it's at. Yeah. And then you have the, uh, well, how, how accurate is the little dust mark? <laughs> right. Is that within three millimeters? Mm-hmm. Someone's been standing over there stomping a lot, so I'm I'm not going to totally entrust that either. He yeah, was right here. Yeah, right. You know, he's Spor- sports is one. That's one of the. That it's up. one of those issues where uh, seemingly tiny events can erupt in huge controversy. Yeah. So at any rate, uh, the, I do think this is a pretty cool um, device, and and when. Chris was talking about the back end with the computers. Uh, they're all obviously running algorithms yes. that uh, allow the the uh, uh, Hawkeye system to project where the ball either was going to go or it can predict where the ball actually landed. Yeah. Um, the Usually, if you're talking about triangulation, you're talking about at least uh, uh, feeds from at least three cameras. Right, um, being the triangle. Right. And then based upon those three... The, those three streams of data, that's what uh, the Hawkeye system uses to predict where exactly it landed or where it was going to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a pretty interesting system, and I would be very interested to see it applied to other sports as well. Um, I think, for one thing, even if you're not using it as a way to to uh, back up calls or overturn calls, it could, in theory, be a really useful system 
uh, just for players and teams mm-hmm. and to to really kind of see you know well I, I meant to throw this kind of ball you know the ball this way but it actually came out that way or you know uh, uh, how accurate am I when I'm trying to uh, hit the wicket in cricket mm-hmm. um, that sort of thing it could be really useful although again it's a very expensive system so really you only see these things trotted out for actual games as opposed to you know practices and things like that yeah it's uh it's interesting to note too based on on what you just said and the numbers I saw, um, and I should say that I, I did um, most of my or a lot of my research from an article uh, in the New York Times that appeared in 2008 by uh, Aaron Pilloffer. Um, he said the system itself actually costs around $100,000 or so. Um, that probably goes up a little bit or yeah. has gone up a little bit in the last couple of years. Uh, and I think it probably depends on the arena and the, and the type of system, the number of cameras you have to have. Um, it also requires, again, you have to pay people to run the, the equipment. So it is not inexpensive and it's not the kind of thing you, you know, you'd have to set aside a, a good chunk of change to put that on your practice fields. Um, but, you know, if you want to be really, really good, maybe it's worth it. Yeah. I saw <laughs> I that. It, I saw it was also used in, um, the snooker championships. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. I wonder yeah. how many cameras you would need, because that's a really small playing surface. Yeah. Relative to, say, a cricket pitch, yes. But you know what? That that would be fascinating, though, because yeah. you could you could measure. Uh, I would assume that a, a surface that small would be easier to map with a computer, um, and the temperature would be more controlled, right? Because it's something that you do indoors, mostly. I can, yeah, I, I've never I, don't think they, I don't think they play like in the middle of an arena. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, that would be kind of interesting. I, and yeah, the, I, well, the idea is that it'll it'll kind of show why shots went awry. Yeah, right. Like someone when you see a championship snooker player, I'm not going to make any jokes about them. But no, when you see no. them line up a shot, you think, you know, well, why did that shot not work out the way it was planned? And that's the idea is that with this system you could actually review that particular uh, shot and see what exactly went wrong. Uh, was there some sort of imperfection in the table surface mm-hmm. or was it merely the technique the player used that uh, you know, and made a, a, a wrong judgment and yeah. uh, that's why it didn't work out. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's funny we're... Uh... We're past the twenty-minute mark of our podcast, and, and I'm thinking I've already thought of a couple things that uh, I didn't do any research on sports-related technology that we can talk about later. But yeah, I think we can definitely do uh, a couple sports podcasts, and it's I do think that it, it's an illustration of uh, you know it's not sports aren't just for the athletes. There's something for the geeks to get into as well. Yeah, I've, I have two very simple camera systems I wanted to talk about that okay. are not these are not Hawkeye systems this no. is unrelated to that but I wanted to talk about it because it ties into a podcast we did um, earlier several months mm-hmm. ago and it also I just think is it's kind of those cool innovations in technology that aren't as you know we talk about a lot of stuff that's really high tech you know yeah complex computer systems and high speed like these cameras that the hawkeye system uses they're high definition high speed cameras yeah they can slow this action down to a crawl Mm -hmm. but not all systems need to be quite that complex no and 
a good example of this is, uh, and I have to thank Tyler Klang for this, our, our producer, because he, he actually sent me the information. Um, some systems designed by Garrett Brown are mm-hmm. actually deceptively simple, and yet they have really helped with capturing footage specifically for events like the Olympics. And Garrett Brown, if that name sounds familiar to you, he's the guy who invented the Steadicam. Ah, yes. So we've talked about the Steadicam in a previous episode. And Garrett Brown has continued to innovate camera systems. Um, he's retired from shooting films himself, but he still works on designing systems to capture footage in unusual situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for some of those, he, he developed systems for to capture footage for the Olympics. One of them is called the MobiCam. Okay. Now, the MobiCam is designed for swimming events. So if you're watching the uh, the races, you know, a swimming race, uh, this is the camera that's on the bottom of the pool that can ah. take footage shot upward so you get to see the swimmers as they, they swim through the, the, the pool. Uh, it's actually mounted on a track, a little thin track, uh, and it's operated by pulleys manually. Okay. So Garrett Brown would demonstrate this by, you know, have this pulley system where uh, he would have a, a crank that would um, be attached to a spool. And then what he could do is turn that and it would uh, pull the, the, the line, which would then in, uh, pull the, the camera on the track under the water. Mm-hmm. So you could follow along with the swimmers and he would watch on a monitor so he could keep the right speed. And then when it would get to the, when the swimmer would get to the end, if they, it was like a, race that had multiple lengths, then he would just reverse, start p- turning the crank the other way, and the camera would move the other way down the, the pool. Um, it's all, The reason why he decided to go manual was because he was afraid that using some sort of uh, motorized or robotic system would, um, would raise ire among judges and athletes because it would it could theoretically change the conditions of the pool mm-hmm. and you don't want to do that when you're talking about yeah. world-class olympic athletes where the tiniest detail can affect his or her performance uh, you don't want to c- create cause for concern so yeah it's a neat little camera and you just and it just scoots along the bottom and that one's a couple of decades old actually mm-hmm. but a, a a more recent one that was introduced in the 2008 olympics is the dive cam. Okay. Now, the dive cam, again, deceptively simple. Imagine uh, you've got an Olympic-sized swimming pool. You've got a, a, a tube that is uh, extends all the way up to the height of the um, diving board. Right. Mm-hmm. And down into the water. Right. The tube is weighted. Uh, it's It's got air on the inside. Um, it's capped at the top. So it's weighted so that it doesn't float away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, the tube is set up so that the camera's at the very top of the tube when the diver is about to begin his or her dive and there's a release another pulley system but there's a release where you where the operator releases the camera just as the diver starts to dive and because we all obey the law of gravity <laughs> we all fall at the same speed so the camera falls at the same speed as the diver and goes all the way down and even goes down into below the water line. Right, which it can do because of the tube. Exactly. The tube extends beneath the water line, so the camera continues to go down and capture footage of the diver as he or she enters the water. And then there's some bungee cords attached to the camera that will slow its descent so it doesn't just crash at the bottom. Mm -hmm. And then you use a pulley system to raise the camera back up 
and you're ready to go for the next dive. So it's really kind of a neat way to follow a diver all the way down the entire uh, uh, length of his or her dive. Yes. And I'm sorry? No, no. Go ahead. You were about to say something. I was going to say I could talk about one other technology that I investigated. Um, And uh, that basically uh, is another camera-related technology, and it's very similar to Hawkeye in some ways. Um, most notably in that it requires, um, it requires mapping the field of play. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, something we actually have a great article on, on HowStuffWorks.com. Um, it's something originally developed, apparently, by a company called Sport Vision, a New York City company that, uh, debuted its first and ten system on a game between the Cincinnati Bengals and Baltimore Ravens. On September 27th, 1998. So we're talking about American football here. And that's, if you've ever wondered, watched a football game and wondered how they get the first down line to appear, that yellow line to appear on the field, because, you know, that's not painted on there. Yeah. <laughs> um, in American football, uh, you play with a, uh, the, the team is given four downs to make a first down. Basically, they have to go 10 yards. Um to get a first down, and they have four chances to do that in order to advance down the field and hopefully score. That's right. the objective anyway, while the other team tries to prevent Stop that them. from happening. Yeah. Um, so there is a line of scrimmage, which is the line, the imaginary line on, on which the ball starts when they start the play. Right. And then they have a line that is originally, at the first down, uh, 10 yards away. Yep. And usually this is marked by a giant piece of orange appears to be plastic. I've never actually touched one. Um, But it's on the side of the field. And really, from a televised angle, it's very hard to see because they like to zoom in on the players and and see what they're doing. So they don't usually zoom out to the point where you can actually see that. So somebody, uh, apparently Sport Vision, decided to create a system by which you could actually show this to the viewer. Now, um, like... Uh, tennis courts and, and cricket pitches, the football field is not flat, not completely flat. Of course, people tear it up, especially uh, outdoor arenas where it's been rainy. Yep. Uh, you know, the, the cleats tear up the field. It gets mashed up. Plus, um, the field is raised a little bit in the center to help it drain. Um, so it has to take, the system has to take that into account. And I should point out, too, that there are other companies that offer this technology. Um, but uh, in order to make this happen, there is a truck full of equipment off the field as well, and it requires some chroma key, the green screen effect that we've talked about in in, um, in other podcasts as well. They have to key out the colors of the players' uniforms, um, but they, they show this imaginary line on the field, and um, by, by using the chroma key technology, they can avoid showing the line on top of the players or on top of the ball. Um, and uh, they can they can show this imaginary line to the viewers. Now, of course, it's not it's there just to illustrate. Yeah. So it's not supposed to have the same kind of accuracy that the Hawkeye system does. Yeah, it's just to give a little frame of reference to the viewer. Yeah, so you have an idea, and that's why you know when uh, and of course, like most sports, uh, it, it can be a game of very very small. I mean, we're talking the Hawkeye system millimeters, uh, very small increments of of uh, measurement so when a player appears to get to have uh, earned a first down through a running play or passing play um, and it appears that way to us watching at home it may not actually be the case because that yellow line is not 
100% accurate. It's a, a very good approximation of where the line is supposed to be. So that's why you'll still see the officials use the chains to measure. Um, although, you know, that's always kind of made me laugh, too, because they carry the chain out in the middle of the field. And I'm going, yeah, you guys just ran out here with that thing. Now you're going, eh, well, that looks about right. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> which always amuses me. But um, but that's how they do that. And I had always wondered that, too. And I thought, you know, since it does involve cameras, it does involve um, a special camera for that purpose. Um, according to our, our article, it does require quite a bit of computer technology as well, because you have to take into account the orientation of the camera. Uh, you know, they do the producer of the broadcast is also choosing which camera to focus on. So it has to the line has to appear in roughly the same spot, no matter where you're you're showing it from. So it has to take into account the perspective of the uh, the vision. Right. It has to be at the right angle. Um, but, uh, you know, and it also has to to be able to show the line on the field and not on top of the players and referees and the ball. Right. Um but that's a, a pretty neat system, and I, I assume that that's pretty close to the system they use to uh, broadcast graphics when they show ads or other information about what's going on in the field. They, you know, they'll show it in a place where the players aren't. Um, tell you what down it is or how many yards they have to go. Um, but that's that's pretty neat, and it does require, again, like like the other technologies we've talked about today, a special uh, special cameras, um, and it does, you know, the camera itself has to be communicate where it is in regard to the play and the line of scrimmage and the line of uh, where the first down is Mm -hmm. supposed to be earned in order to help the camera or um, help the computers know roughly where to put the line. So that's, uh, it's fascinating stuff. It's something I always wondered about and never really took the time to look into until it was time to do the research. So I'm glad, I'm glad we did, but there are other things that uh, I would like to talk about in in a future podcast, perhaps maybe a, Maybe down the road when we've tackled some other topics first. Yeah, sure. I've got I've got a great patent for a um a pitch speed and strike zone invention that I think would never ever ever see the light of day, but I'd love to talk about it. Yeah, that's that's definitely one of those and uh the uh the baseball tracking technology where the baseball crosses the plate. Uh if if you're not a baseball fan, a lot of times they'll show uh during the game they'll show an angle camera angle where you see from behind the pitcher where the where the pitch is going to the batter, and uh, as they an- uh, analyze it, the commentators will put on a tracker where it will show you what, where it was in the strike zone. Right. And, uh, I'm, I'm curious to see. I haven't done enough research on that yet to, to talk about it confidently, but I want to talk about that and possibly even that glow puck they used to use in hockey. Glow puck. <laughs> well, we'll just have to save that for a later discussion. We're going to wrap this one up. If you guys have any questions or comments, you can let us know. Uh, you can let us know on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle there is techstuffhsw, or you can email us. That email address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com, and Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?